My name is Shad Schoenfeldt with Schoenfeldt Livestock in Fort Stockton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Gary Martin. Hello, Texas. we got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the nation's largest farm group is meeting this week in Puerto Rico. We'll have more from the American Farm Bureau Convention coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Sorghum farmers in the Texas High Plains may have some new opportunities with the ethanol business this year. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll tell you about an upcoming meeting in Plainview. U.S. pork exports to Mexico and Dominican Republic were records in November. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those numbers and more coming up from the U.S. Meat Export Federation on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The American Farm Bureau Federation's annual meeting is underway this week in Puerto Rico with a big lineup of speakers and workshops. A large delegation of Texans are attending the meeting this week, along with some young farmers and ranchers who will be competing in nationwide contests. Bethany Wanerek of Nueces County will represent Texas in the Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award competition. Kristen Warner of Hayes County will represent Texas in the Excellence in Agriculture contest. And Chase Brook of Collin County will represent our state in the Young Farmer and Rancher discussion meet. Representatives from every state will participate in the business session of the convention, where they will set policy direction for the upcoming year. Now with more from the American Farm Bureau Convention, here's Gary Joyner. I'm in Puerto Rico at the national meeting of the American Farm Bureau Federation, and I'm pleased to be joined by Daniel Malloy. He's the executive director of the American Farm Bureau Foundation for Agriculture. You've got an excellent exhibit here, a lot to talk about. What's exciting at the foundation right now? There is so much exciting at the foundation right now. Today we announced our annual book of the year. Uh, It's our 16th year doing this award, and today we announced that our own book, I Love Strawberries, won the award. Now, I do have to say there was an impartial panel of judges judging the books, uh, but I Love Strawberries is really an incredible book. Um, It also recently was recognized by Good Housekeeping magazine as one of the best kids' books of 2022. So we're really proud of the book and really happy that it is uh, the book of the year for 2023. Outstanding. You are a publisher. A lot of people don't realize you're now publishing your work, and this is the book that brought it to fruition? Well, we realized uh, a number of years ago 
that the number of accurate books about agriculture uh, was just not where, where we thought it should be. And, and when we think about being accurate with books, we want to make sure that, our, that books are fact-based, that they're uh, not perpetuating stereotypes about agriculture, and, and that they're actually things that you would see on a farm. So, you know, sheep that drive tractors and, you know, chickens that wear overalls are not something that we think really should be in books. You know, those can be engaging, but they're certainly not accurate. And so to address the issue of the lack of accurate ag books, we created our own publishing venture called Feeding Minds Press. And since 2019, we have published seven books and uh, they've all done extremely well. And we're just really proud of the program. Um, and especially I Love Strawberries today, we're really celebrating that. Is there an audience for works like that? The kids are interested, right? Absolutely. Um, and it really doesn't matter if kids are interested in agriculture. Uh, the, the topics that, that we cover in our children's books really cover a wide variety of, of topics. So we are able to introduce kids to, to agriculture without them really thinking that it is farming. The distribution of these works, does a lot of it uh, end up being on retail sites where folks can normally find books, or do Farm Bureaus play a role in that distribution as well? I would say both of those play a role. We have a, a great relationship with the National Egg in the Classroom program, and so a lot of our books go through that program to, to their local uh, egg and classroom programs. Uh, but also, whether it's barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com, we are selling those books nationwide. I'm Gary Joyner in Puerto Rico at the National Meeting of the American Farm Bureau Federation for Texas Ag Today. Much of Texas was in a serious drought for most of 2022, but many areas of the state did get some drought-relieving rains toward the end of the year. However, there is still a big chunk of our state that is still dealing with some level of drought, and our neighbors to the north have it even worse. Oklahoma and Kansas still have their entire states dealing with very high levels of drought through this winter, according to USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. We still are dealing with critically dry conditions across much of the southern half of the Great Plains. That continues to have an impact on winter grains, such as winter wheat, as well as rangeland and pastures. And if you look at the latest U.S. drought monitor, we're seeing more than half, specifically 57 percent of Kansas, experiencing the two highest categories of drought, D3 and D4, or extreme and exceptional drought. So there's a pretty narrow band between the haves in South Dakota and Nebraska and the have-nots further south, Kansas to Texas. The drought is causing a lack of snowfall in these states this winter, which would normally insulate the winter wheat crop from sub-freezing temperatures. Professors at West Texas A&M University in Canyon recently won a major national grant to study a project that can recycle cotton gin waste and potentially reduce the amount of water required to grow cotton in the panhandle. One of those recipients is WT Professor of Engineering Dr. Nathan Howell couple years ago, we just started realizing how much cotton gin trash there is around here as cotton has moved northward and you you drive around, you see the mountains of it. I just started asking people, what do you guys do with this stuff? And most of it, there wasn't a real productive use. And a lot of years, there's not much done with it. So I had been learning about something called pyrolysis, which is a way to take any kind of waste organic mass and convert it to a charcoal-like product called biochar. And when you add that biochar to the soil, it will hold much more water, which is then available for cotton or other crops. The project is expected to last about two years. 
Sorghum farmers in the Texas High Plains may have some new opportunities with the ethanol business this year. James Hunt tells us about an upcoming meeting that will have more information on that. Coming up on January 19th, White Energy is hosting a meeting and luncheon in Plainview. Trenton Jones with White Energy says they have put together this event to reach out to sorghum farmers. This is kind of a joint effort between White Energy, the Sorghum Checkoff, and National Sorghum Producers. Our goal was to bring in producers, tell them who we are, tell them what we do, and kind of have communications on ways that we can help them and do a quick plant tour, you know, show some of these producers that probably haven't seen an ethanol plant or would like to go through again, show them through the process of what we do. Jones says White Energy uses both corn and sorghum at the company's two Texas High Plains operations. Last year we grind about 20% Milo in Plainview and I think it was somewhere around 10 to 15%. I think it was around 12% in Hereford. We'd love to get that up to 25%, 30%. Um, just uh, it always helps with the carbon side of things, as well as we love to buy from local producers to put it into the communities here as opposed to the Corn Belt. Jones says White Energy wants to establish acreage contracts with producers, including some arrangements that acknowledge our area's tendency to have dry spells. As we know here in West Texas, the weather just sometimes doesn't want to work for us, so if you have zero production, then we're not going to hold you to anything, and uh, we'll look forward to next year. Once again, this event is Thursday, January 19th at 10 a.m. It's free for sorghum farmers to attend, but an RSVP is requested. For more information, contact White Energy or search online with the words White Energy Plainview Sorghum. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Pork exports continue to gain momentum. Tom Nicoletti has the story. November exports of U.S. pork were the largest of 2022 in both volume and value. That according to data released by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and compiled by the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Pork exports reached 245,600 metric tons in November, up 3% from a year ago, while export value climbed 10% to $725 million. In both volume and value, exports were the highest since May 2021. Here is Dan Hallstrom, USMEF President and Chief Executive Officer. Really, the story continues to center around Mexico. We had an increase in value over a very large number a year ago. But the real story is about the value side. Um, second month in a row where we've been over $200 million in exports of pork to Mexico. We're already a value record for the year to Mexico as well through 11 months. In addition, Dominican Republic also uh, has set a record. We're up substantially there. Pork variety meats continue to see dramatic growth. Globally, 50,000 tons exported, uh, up over 40,000 a year ago. The dominant player volume-wise, of course, is China, things like stomachs and tongues and hearts, etc. But it's not the only outlet. Mexico is also big, you know, pork feet and stomachs, uh, things like this. The Philippines is big. Canada, you have product as well going to Japan and Central America. So I think similar to the to the muscle cut side, the, the theme here on the variety meat side is the diversification aspect of variety meats uh, appears to be working very well. That is Dan Hallstrom at the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Areas where Texans can fish, hunt, and enjoy wildlife grew in 2022. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
and this may be a year that cattle producers need mineral supplementation. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This may be a year that Texas cattle producers need mineral supplementation. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. If you have had to purchase hay for your cattle out of state due to the summer drought, Drovers.com indicates you may need to supplement minerals. The best method to determine if supplementation is needed is to take a sample of your winter hay supply and send off for analysis. This is not a very expensive test and will help your veterinarian determine if mineral supplement is needed. And I said help for a reason because the level of minerals is not the only concern as some minerals that are high in the diet can tie up other minerals. So you have to look at the total ration to determine if mineral supplementation is needed and in many cases it will be needed. Vitamins and minerals are necessary for strong immune systems, reproductive performance, and calf weight gain. Diets with mineral imbalances may result in poor performance and reduce profitability. It is important to keep in mind that minerals required is a local issue, so always check with your local veterinarian concerning mineral deficiencies in your specific area. Supplementation of macro-minerals like calcium, phosphorus, and magnesium can be fairly straightforward with a basic mineral program, but it is important to supplement trace minerals 60 days prior to breeding and weaning. There are both organic and inorganic minerals. Dr. Bob Larson from Kansas State indicates that he sees better performance when we supplement with the organic form of the minerals, as this is much more representative of the way the minerals would be in a plant structure. Inorganic minerals are byproducts of other industries, while organic minerals are more nature-like. If you have other questions about mineral supplementation in your cattle, contact me at TexVet at TXFB.org. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Areas where Texans can hunt, fish, and enjoy wildlife grew last year. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. Public lands at National Wildlife Refuges in Texas grew by nearly 6,000 acres in 2022. That brings the total number of acres managed by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to nearly 700,000 in Texas. That's at 21 National Wildlife Refuges and three National Fish Hatcheries. According to Fish and Wildlife, the additions in Texas protect a variety of ecosystems across the state including Columbia bottomlands habitat on the mid-coast, freshwater wetlands on the upper coast, and bottomland hardwood and pine forest habitat in East Texas. Amy Letters, FWS's Southwest Regional Director, said acquiring these lands and conserving them benefits both wildlife and the American people. She said each of the acquisitions protects a unique piece of the Texas landscape, along with the resident and migratory wildlife that call it home. 
Some of the additions include the nearly 5,000 acres added at the San Bernard NWR in the Midcoast last year. FWS says the Columbia bottomlands habitat there is critically important for millions of migratory birds that use it as a staging area between wintering habitats and their breeding habitat. It's also a place where people can watch wildlife, take photos, hunt, and fish. Another addition was at the McFadden NWR. It grew by a little over 415 acres last year. It is a high-value area for wintering waterfowl and benefits many species of grassland and migratory birds. FWS says the acquisitions were made possible with the help of a number of nonprofit conservation partners and private donors. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a higher trade to kick off the week Monday in cattle and cotton, but the grain markets closed slightly lower. We'll check out all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market started the trading week higher on Monday. We finished higher on both live and feeder cattle futures. February live cattle up 97 cents, 157.75. April up 85 at 161.52, while June live cattle were up 90 cents. 157.45. Same story in the feeder cattle market. January feeders up 92 cents, 183.62. March feeders up 65 at 186.30, while April feeder cattle were up 80 cents at 190.62. Cash fed cattle market all quiet to kick off the week on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle here in Texas at 157, fully steady with the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher Monday, choice up 253 at 285.52, select up 76 cents to 60.10. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest is Jody Fry from Producers in Cargill, San Angelo. They sell them on Thursday. Love talking to Jody. Jody, thanks for the call. How did it go? First sale of the year, Larry, 1165 head, quality calves, selling those at least another 5 to $10 higher. Slaughter cows and bulls, fully 5 to $7 higher. Limited numbers, like you'd expect the replacement cows, so steady to slightly higher. Better quality steers, 4,600 pounds from 155, all the way up to a high of near 225, mostly 165 to 195. Six to 800 pound steers. 135 all the way up to a high of near 185 mostly 145 to 165 better quality heifer calves 4 to 600 pounds 140 up to a high of near two dollars mostly 155 to 175 slaughter cows average to high yielding 62 to 74 several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 76 to 86 did have one outstanding slaughter cow that brought 90 thinner or lower yielding cows in a broad range from 35 to 60 slaughter bulls average to high yielding 77 to 
95. Some of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 97 to a dollar 11 did have one outstanding uh, Brangus bull that brought 117. Bred cows and two-year-olds, just a few of those average uh, to better quality young to solid mouth cows, medium to heavy bred from 850 to a high of 1300. What are you thinking for next week? I'm thinking bigger numbers across the board. Uh, a real busy week. I'm saying at least 5,000 or more uh, cattle. We've got a special calf sale in conjunction with the regular Thursday sale. Uh, I would be thinking 16 to 1800 next Thursday. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody Fry. You bet. There at the office would be 325-653-3371. My mobile phone would be 234-7895. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished higher on Monday. February hogs up 52 cents at 80.80. April hogs up $1.15 at 90.80. Class 3 milk was higher. January milk up 36 cents, 1967. 100 weight. February milk up 56 at 1915. 100. The cotton market closed slightly higher. Positive news coming out of China. Apparently, they're ending their travel restrictions between Hong Kong and other internal provinces. The market is looking at this as a positive development with all the COVID problems China has had recently. March cotton up 54 points, 86.22. May cotton up 49 at 86.14, while new crop December was up 51 points, 83.14 cents. Corn and wheat both finishing slightly lower. Corn still struggling with a demand issue. It looks like other countries like Brazil are still undercutting the U.S. on the world market. March corn down one and a quarter, 652 and three quarters. May corn down a penny, 653 a bushel. New crop September corn down three quarters at 605 and a half. Kansas City and Chicago wheat both ending slightly lower. March Kansas City wheat down three and a half, 828 and a half. New crop July down one and a quarter, 822 and a half. March Chicago wheat down two cents at 741 and a half. New crop July down a penny, 755 and a quarter. In the energy markets on Monday, February natural gas up 22 cents, 393. February crude oil up a dollar two, 7479 a barrel. In the financial markets, we were mixed on Monday afternoon. The Dow down 111 points, 33,518. The Nasdaq was up 79, 10,649. The S&P up a point at 3,895. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.